listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast on the Apollo Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find me on Twitter, at Astros Future, and find me on my website, AstrosFuture.com. And I'm your other co-host, Kenny Van Doren, and you can find me on Twitter, at The Vandalorian. Today, we'll take a look around the system, but first, we're, we're joined by a very special guest, one of the Astros, uh, Dominican Summer League hitting coaches, Elvis Rodriguez. Elvis, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good, guys. Thank you for having me. For sure. appreciate you coming on. So the first thing I want to ask you, is, how did you get into coaching? I read a little bit about your background. I know you, 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 uh, you're the founder of, a, I believe, some kind of hitting business, but kind of tell us your background, how you got into coaching. Well, you know, coming from the Dominican Republic, I, I came to the States when I was 18 years old to um, play college baseball in Western Oklahoma State College in Oklahoma. Over there, I met two of my very good friends that actually work with Astros. Rafael Pena, he's a hitting coach uh, for Sugarland, and Hazel Wesson, he's a strength and conditioning coach for um, the big league team. Mm-hmm. So after I finished college, I moved over here to Boston, and I was kind of working on the private sector. Before I joined there, um, law enforcement, my wife is a police officer, so kind of was you know, up in the air, not doing much. So I decided to become a correctional officer. But during the pandemic, I decided that I wanted to get back in baseball, so I started, I opened a business, Swing Factory, and I also started a nonprofit foundation, the Swing Factory Foundation, because in, as you guys know, um, during the lockout and, and the pandemic, everybody was, you know, inside, nobody was able to do anything, so mm-hmm. kind of started that foundation, me and my wife, and we went from there, and a, little, a year after that, I got the opportunity to, you know, interview with, with the Astros, and I got the job. So what's it like kind of molding the careers of the future of like the franchise, knowing that you're, you're like their first step into professional baseball? It is an unbelievable experience, especially with those guys over there. They're so young. They're 16, you know, 16 and a half, 17 year old players, you know, with a lot of emotion and a lot of insecurities. It's, it's, it's very good, but at the same time, it's, it, it could get intimidated a little bit because, you know, these guys are so young and, and, and the Astros expect so much from them. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's good. It's a good experience. It's, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't change that for anything. So, you know, a lot of us don't really know what kind of goes on over in the DSL. We, we see a couple highlight videos or see some pictures, but what's like, the, the, the day in the life, I guess, of, of a Dominican summer league baseball player and coach like yourself kind of is it. Um, I know Kenny talked about something about uh, the, the field, the field and the, uh, the, the housing is all kind of together, but what's a, what's a normal day like for y'all over there? A normal day will they will either have um, weight room or some kind of speed and agility in the morning at seven in the morning. So most of our day starts at six 30 with stretching and breakfast from there. They can either go to the field to do, um, some, uh, you know, speed gates, or we can do early work during the ca- in the cage, or they'll lift in certain days. And after that, it's just getting ready for to play. You know, it, 
the games this year started at 11 a.m. So it could go from 11 a.m. We play up to five-hour games. You know, it's a lot of balls throwing over there. Like, mm-hmm. Sometimes they can get long. So you're looking at anywhere from 6.30 till 3 p.m. days over there for the Dominican Summer League. And it looks like, like from what we see, like, you know, it's like life is baseball for those guys. You know, they're trying their hardest to get to the States and get to the Astros minor league system. But, but what, how do they kind of escape from baseball? You know, they, they live at a baseball field almost with the housing right there. Are there ways for them to kind of just live their everyday life during the summer? No, it's everything is baseball over there. I mean, they have the their rest of the afternoon off, which they have to take English class every day. So other than that, they just, you know, hanging around the academy. After the pandemic, and during the pandemic, they're not allowed to go home. So I think during the summer, they went home two times, I think, for Mother's Day and some other time. But that was about it. It's all baseball, baseball, baseball. So speaking of uh, some of those prospects, you you coached, you know, some of the, some of the uh, I guess, better prospects in the Astros system over there on the, the Dominican side. And one of them being Luis Baez. Uh, had a really good season, you know, hit 305, OPS over 900, showed off that power. I know you had mentioned him to me earlier in the season. Uh, but what 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 do you what can you tell Astros fans about that guy? I think Luis Baez is good. I I have said this before to to my higher ups. I think Luis Baez is the guy that will hit 35 to 40 home runs in the big leagues. He's just that guy that you know. There's some some swinging misses there, but mm-hmm. that guy is going to be special. And something you know, we, 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 everybody was high on Luis Baez. He started the season 0 for 20 with 14 strikeouts. Oh wow! So that's is this you know I I was pressing. He wasn't. He, Bias is a guy that you know his personality is. You won't know when he's going four for four with two doubles, or when he's mm-hmm. 0 for 10 with five strikeouts. He's the same guy. And yeah. an, another guy that kind of like came to my mind was uh, Victor Diaz, kind of like name kind of circled at the middle of the summer, more of an experienced guy. He actually got to the States at one point, but uh, have you seen him kind of a quick riser, a more mature player? 100%. I think I was just talking to somebody about him today. He is, a, I, I, I will describe him as a leader. He's, he's older, as you guys know, but he is a very mature player. I just posted about him. He hit, we played three um, playoff games. He hit two home runs. In the game one, he hit a, you know, a basis clearing triple with the game on the line. I, I don't know what has happened in the previous organization that he's been, but he can he can play. Rick Diaz Rick can play. So without just looking at straight numbers, looking at, you know, batting averages or OPS or whatever, I know uh, Robel Colon led the, I think, led the league in uh, triples. I know he had eight, which is pretty insane. Uh, given that he had 15 extra base hits. But who's kind of like a dark horse guy Astros fans might need to look for? Like, you know, maybe next year they they get an opportunity in the FCL or uh, maybe even in Fayetteville. I'll say Sandro Gaston. He's a Cuban catcher, I think 19 years old. You know, he's kind of a little older for the for the level he played. He mm-hmm. hit 12 home runs and he batted three, 319, I believe, with a 1,000 OPS. I, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, is one of those sleepers that could possibly be in Fabio next year. And you know what? That guy can hit the fastball. If you can hit the fastball, you, you're going to be able to play. For sure. So he, I believe he was on uh, the Astros Blue. So do you do you get a little bit of time with, I mean, obviously you're all in the same facility. You're assigned to the Astros Orange, but do you just get a little bit of time with both of them? Or how does that work? 
Yes, I tried to. I I was full time with with the, with the Orange team, but I have a, such a good relationship with, I'll say, all of the guys on the organization that you know I I hit BP and before I get on the bus, I try to sneak in the cage and you know take a look. And there's some guys that do their routines with with myself. For example, like Kenny Gomez, he's one of the prospects. He's the guy that you know he he'll go find me wherever I'm at just to go do the routines with him. But yeah, I try to, you know, to help them out. Even even me being there while they're doing their, their drill work is I think I try to make that happen if I don't have as much time to be in the cage for the full amount of time. Uh your team, the DSL Astros Orange actually made a run at the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately fell a little short, but you guys were on a crazy stretch at the end of the season. I think you won almost 20, 20 out of your last 24 games. You know, what's that like getting those guys to just kind of circle together and, and win or make the playoffs? Well, for that, I have to credit um, our manager, Alejandro Martinez. He is that guy is, I think I've never seen somebody with that personality. He's just, everything is okay. We're going to be okay. We had a turning point um, mid July it was a game against the Yankees. We struck out 20 times and we ended up winning that game three to two. But after that, we had a meeting. It was, it, it was as bad as it could be, you know, striking out 20 times in a game. We had a meeting, we made some adjustments from, from there and we took off. The guys just started believing in themselves and we started hitting all of a sudden. We hit 21 home runs in the last four weeks of the season. It was, it was awesome. It was good to see. So looking back at your first year coaching, I looked at the record 36-23, made it to the playoffs. What, what's, your, what's your most memorable moment of your first season down there in uh, the DSL? Oof. I think I have a lot of it. I think being, just being part of those guys, I think those, they're such a great kids, all of them from the orange to the blue team. Just being able to be a little part of their young careers it's memorable, and I will take that forever. But if, if I can describe one moment, it was um the second game we played against the Astros Blue. We were down by two runs, two outs, nobody on in the last inning. All of a sudden, a guy, he walked one guy, Juan Luciano, and then he hit by pitch the next guy. And then we had an outfield, Anderson Sanchez. All of a sudden, he hit a walk-off three-run home run. It was it was an unbelievable experience. It was crazy. And when you kind of look at you know your career from now on, you know you're shaping the career of all these young guys. You know, helping you know, but are they helping you too? You know, are you trying to advance your coaching career at the same time? One hundred percent. I mean, I I believe I learn more from them than what they learn from me. It's, it, you learn it's so many different personalities. You know, you have to you have to you know if it, it could we could be speaking the same language, but something I would tell a player a certain way, I would have to tell the same thing to another player a different way, you know. So you have kind of have to learn all the different personalities and and learn how to you know manage them through whatever you want to do. So I'm looking at you know just some some guys on the roster, and you know you got a you got a pitcher like uh, if I'm saying it right, Remy Rodriguez, who's showing he's 16 years old. You got a guy like Jose Fleury who. Uh, 20 years old, but put up some insane numbers. Man, that's that's a big like age gap to be dealing with. I mean, these guys are you know in the states would be sophomores in high school and they're playing professional baseball. So, 
how do you kind of manage – I mean, you talk about the different personalities, but how do you manage that, you know, from the guys that could still be in high school versus the ones that are like 20 years old? And it, that is without adding the fact that these guys, most of them are, you could say, millionaires in, in, in the Dominican Republic. You know, this is something that you have to you, you go go about it each, each day. Because as you know, they're so young, plus they have – they feel like they have something to prove because they're already there. You just have to, you know, work with them. Our our job over there, other, other than coaching, we have to be father figures. I mean, I, I believe that's everywhere when you're a coach. We have to be mentors. It's constant conversations every day because things happen at home. They can go home. You know, stuff like that makes it a little harder. But we manage to do the best we can to help those guys, you know, keep going forward and kind of to break that you know like we would talked a little bit about how they don't really have an off day you know they're just working out you know going to class and playing baseball every day but i saw like maybe a week ago or two weeks ago that y'all had a rally day you know kind of like a field day kind of escape the baseball world and how did how important was that for those guys maybe just some for like competition but not on the field it was awesome it was a great day i know being my first year i didn't know what to expect with that and it, it was just great. We had a lot of fun. We competed. We I think we had five teams. Obviously, my team won, orange team. <laughs> but it it was just a great day. It was it was good. We have we had all the staff involved from the English teachers to the clubbies. It, it was a great great day for the boys. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at even some past rosters, and it's crazy when you when you go way back. I mean, look at 2015. Uh, DSL team had Jorge Alcala, Christian Javier, Jorge Guzman, Hector Perez, Brian Abreu, Framber Valdez, all these guys that have made their major league debut and some that have been really good. You know, that was seven years ago. So it's like, I, I guess there's so much patience with these guys since they're so young into their careers. There is, there is. And and, and that's how it has to be. You know, imagine being, like you mentioned before, 16-year-old. We have a few players 16 years old playing professional baseball. You know, those guys need need a lot of time before they can, you know, firstly, mentally mature and being able to come to the States and then make their way through the system. But, yeah, we have to be patient as coach. As coach, that's the number one key coaching those guys in the Dominican Republic is being patient. So without giving up too much, what's your hitting philosophy? I mean, I know that I've talked to a few different hitting coaches. Like, what's your – Kind of what's your go-to advice? And I say, you know what, without giving up too much of the Astros overall philosophy, Mm -hmm. what's your go-to? Hit the fastball. Got to be on time to hit the fastball. I think think if you're able to hit the fastball, especially the younger players down in the Dominican Republic, they will struggle with the breaking stuff. Hitting breaking pitches, you have to be very, very special to hit it at a young age. You know, that I believe the hitting the, the curveball and stuff like that comes with time learning how to hit it. But if you have the ability to hit the fastball at a young age, the chances are that you're going to you're going to be able to hit as you as you move up in levels. We, we talked to a prospect one time and he was talking about how in the Astro system, they they say it's OK to take pitches. It's OK to take strikes if as long as you know, you're creating a zone and you're understanding it. Did you kind of see that? You know, these guys you've mentioned, like we mentioned a lot, but younger guys, have you seen them kind of mature at the plate and kind of re- like recognize pitches better over the summer? One hundred percent. That's something that's something we talk about a lot, you know, especially when you are when you up in the count, why take a swing at that, you know? 
paint the fastball in the outside corner when you can, that's a pitch you're not going to be doing much damage to when you can, you know, just take that strike one. So what? Just, you know, and from the Spanish song a little bit as, as the count goes. Well, last thing I got for you, what, what's next for you? you say, are you going to be in the DSL next year or you, is it still kind of up in the air for you? It's still kind of up in the air. Just going to wait to see um, what they want to do with me. Like, I will do whatever they want me to do. I just, you know, being being part of of helping those young guys is is something unbelievable, and it's, I believe it's something that I, I really want to do for for a long time. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you just like literally just got back to the United States a couple of days ago, if not it was yesterday or whatever. But really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some of your knowledge for uh, for us Astros fans. Definitely, thank you guys for having me, and and I'm a I'm a fan. I follow you guys on Twitter and Instagram, and you know, it's, it's, it's glad to be here to have this conversation with you guys. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for the uh, segment one. In the next segment, we'll take a look around the Thank minors, you. and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Feature Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor, drop us a review, leave us some stars on uh, on Apple Podcasts. We'll get down to the minor league section now. We'll, we'll take a look around. We're going to start with our stock up. Kenny, I'll go first. A guy I got on here, on it, I couldn't remember if I had had him on this this season or not. And I don't remember if you did either. But Joey Loperfito, man, the dude is absolutely crushing. I talked to him when I was down in Fayetteville, and he's been on an incredible run. Uh, since the All-Star break, which was in the middle of July, uh, he's hit 400 with an OPS of almost 1,200, 10 doubles, 6 homers, 30 RBIs. That's over a 29-game stretch. But over his last 18 games, he's hitting 433. And you look at his overall season line, and it kind of feels like it's getting slept on, but He's up to 324 with a 925 OPS, uh, 25 doubles, 12 homers, 30 stole, 32 stolen bases. Really, really good season for him. And I don't feel like there's enough noise out there about him, but his stock is definitely rising. Most definitely. I, I feel like we've mentioned Loperfito maybe once or twice in the stock up. We, we've seen him just crush it from single A to high A, and he's getting on that pace. It's like, it, does he still need to be in high A? But he'll probably close out the season, and definitely a guy who could be in triple A by next fall. Um, my stock up guy though is Colton Gordon. Uh, just promoted to high A, made his debut um, for the for the Asheville Tourists. Uh, I think it was Saturday, uh, five or Thursday, five innings pitched, three earned runs on two hits, two walks, and nine strikeouts. You know, a guy we both talked to him a little bit. Uh, doesn't have the best fastball, but he's adding that cutter to his mix and overall just maximizing his arsenal. And only twenty seven or only three walks of twenty seven strikeouts in single A with a two two one ERA over twenty and one third innings. Yeah, he's been he's been really good, and he's kind of that pitchability guy that you know good command of his stuff. He's gonna you know he's gonna he's gonna make hitters get themselves out. Not he's not necessarily gonna blow them away, but I mean that kind of stuff works. And we've seen guys get to the big league level, and he's talked about you know that uptick of velocity that he might see over the next couple of years. And I mean we see it. You know, there's plenty of lefties that are uh, in the major league level that are throwing in the low 90s, and they'll be all right. So yeah, he, his stock's definitely rising. Uh, nice to see him already in high A. You know, just uh, just one year after Tommy John surgery. Uh, but we'll go down to Sugarland. They're fifty-eight and sixty-five. Been playing some pretty good baseball, actually. This past week was insane in Las Vegas. I know it's a, I know it's a hitter's paradise up there. But they, they put up some incredible numbers, which we'll get to in a second. But the main story from yesterday, Sunday, was that Hunter Brown was scheduled to start, and uh, we, we noticed that he was no longer the scheduled starter. They went to John uh, Olzak, and that kind of threw us off a little bit. I was thinking, man, is he, is he going to get a call up? Is Justin Verlander hurt worse than we thought? Then he ends up coming in the game in relief in the third inning and, and goes three and a third innings and strikes out four, which it's just interesting. I don't know what the decision was, why they decided not to start him, but go ahead and bring him in in the middle of an inning. 
uh, getting him ready for relief appearances at the big league level. I'm not sure. But what do you think, Kenny? Uh, it's funny because we're recording on a Monday right now on the off day, but Brian McTaggart of MLB.com just tweeted that the Astros plan to call up top pitching prospect Hunter Brown and rosters expand to September 1st. Uh, that's not that's not like dire news. Like I, every I think everyone expected that, but especially with you know injuries, you know coming to the pitching staff and maybe Justin Verlander going down with the uh, calf injury. You know Hunter Brown's on the move, and uh, when the rosters expand, they have one more game in the month of August. But after that, and yeah, it's probably time for Hunter Brown to call, come up. But the one thing I would add about the coming in relief is that um, it's probably getting him ready for those situations. You know, as a starting pitcher, you get a clean slate every single time and you're giving a guy who comes in with two outs and no one on and you're just, you know, testing him. And I think that was probably a good test for him. It kind of throws for a loop. We were like, oh, maybe he's getting scratched, bring him up. But he got that inning and in, those three innings in. Yeah, another guy that we've seen pitch in relief recently, and it's gone well. I actually talked to him, and I'll have an article coming out tomorrow. But J.P. France, last three uh, outings, he's gone five innings total. I think two two-inning outings, one one-inning outing. Uh, hasn't allowed an earned run, struck out 15. I know you noted on here he's got the lowest PCL ERA this month with a 1.29 ERA. And he's kind of a guy that uh, maybe wasn't going to get a rotation spot. I mean, Nashville's rotation is already incredibly deep, and there's a few guys maybe – on the pecking order ahead of him. But if he can carve out that relief role and his stuff plays up, he's throwing 95. Um, he, he's a guy that could get an opportunity to bullpen. If not, maybe in September, then and then maybe next year. Yeah, he's going to be Rule 5 eligible uh, again this offseason. And you saw a guy like Jonathan Bermudez get DFA'd recently to free open a spot for David Hensley. And so I think J.P. France, you know, deserves a shot. And they're trying to – he's trying his best to, you know, change up what he's been doing as a starter his whole career. And now he's going to jump in at, you know, 27 years old as a reliever. Uh, another guy that returned from the or a guy who returned from the injury list in the last uh, two weeks since we last talked, but Sean Dubin back from the IL, five total innings over two starts, uh, three or, or three walks to six Ks. Um, we talked about it a couple times about uh, you know Dubin has some trouble as a starter compared to being a reliever, and even though he's only going two or three innings off the injured list uh, from that forearm injury, you know he's looking pretty clean. Yeah, and I think I think his first outing was a little rough. The most recent outing was a little bit better. Uh, the velocity was a little bit down. I, I say that. I think he was still throwing like 96, 97, just a little bit down. But that's another guy that you mentioned that can that can come in and, and be a – I thought was going to get a chance to be a reliever at the Astros this year, may end up being next year. But it, it's kind of – man, this week just kind of feels like it's, it's all about pitching. But the next guy that we, we got to talk about, Forrest Whitley. Nine innings the last two outings, allowed three in runs, struck out 12. His last inning outing was really good. You, know, you look at the overall box score, you see four innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, which is really encouraging, uh, encouraging seven strikeouts. But in those four innings, he generated 14 swings and mess, uh, misses, was up to 99.6 miles per hour at the fastball. I think he had five that were at least 99-plus. I think the average was 96 or 97, but I think baseball savant logged like an 89-mile-an-hour fastball, so I don't know if that was a mistake or not. But, man, he, he looked really good. And I think that the thing to note, too, He's, he's allowed some runs. He's walked a few guys. But in the last three outings, he's allowed one extra base hit. It was a double. That's it. So he, he's not allowing a lot of hard contact. Now it's just about kind of refining that. But we see the swing and miss stuff. We see the really good changeup. We see the high-velocity fastball. And it seems like every outing he's had since he's gone to AAA, it's just kind of uptick from 95, 96, 97 uh, to, to last week when, you know, on the radar gun, which it does round up, would show 100 on that 99.6-mile-an-hour fastball. It, it makes me just kind of think, you know, the ball flies uh, at altitude like Las Vegas. <laughs> is, is this ball going faster uh, when you see it in uh, thinner air? But no, uh, you know, Whitley is, you know, playing himself into a playing himself into a bullpen role spot start next season. I don't think we'll see him in September just yet. 
uh, probably seen a little bit more consistency. You know, his last two outings have been amazing, but you just need to see that continuing into um, into the next month. Uh, Brandon Belak, though, three eight six ERA in August. Uh, if Justin Verlander does go to the injured list, you know, there's no report yet on how that MRI went on Monday, but. I think Brandon Belak is your best shot to join Hunter Brown when rosters expand. You're going to have to have another pitcher. Seth Martinez is already up, so it makes the most sense yeah. if it's Brown and uh, Belak. Yeah, and, and Belak's not – he's not terrible, you know. I mean, he's, we, we've seen him have some pretty good outings. He's been good down in AAA. But we'll, we'll go to the offensive side. Pedro Leon finally returned to action Sunday. Um, I don't even remember. I think he was one for three or something like that. But the, the important part is he was there. He was in, in the game. I think that was the 20 – eighth after being hit on the sixth so he's about about three weeks after getting hit in the face had a facial fracture so nice to see him back and, and you noted you know nine home or Corey Lee man that's a guy went up to the major league and struggled a little bit it didn't really get a consistent playing time but he, since he's came back down he's been awesome nine home runs in August and really this week was insane in Las Vegas five home runs 11 RBIs over six games so uh, really good to see him get that going and starting to drive the ball in the air. I know that's one thing that people have noted is his uh, his launch angles were kind of low, hitting a lot of grounders, a lot of line drives, and you know, start putting that ball in the air with those good exit velocities, and you'll start to see that home run number uh, climb up. Definitely taking advantage of the altitude. Uh, nine, you know, nine home runs, but he had five and. Uh, five days, three in one game. Um, overall, just looking great in Las Vegas. Uh, <clears throat> another guy that you know has been kind of off the charts. He's not a future of the Astros, but Lewis Brinson, twenty-two homers, uh, nine nineteen OPS as of Sunday morning. Uh, guy who's just a veteran and he's just playing well. And he might not play himself into a a call up, maybe an addition to the forty man, especially with Jake Myers going down to AAA on Monday. But overall, it's good to see that depth there, just in case. Uh, another guy, Yanir Diaz, 292 batting average, 933 OPS, and 16 home runs on the year as of Sunday. Uh, just keeps crushing it. He's going to make the 40-man roster this offseason. Yeah, it's it's crazy because, like, you just feel like, you know, eventually he's going to go on a little slump and maybe he has an 0-for-4 night and then he follows it up with, like, a 4-for-6. Four singles all over the park. I mean, he drives the ball over all over the field. The dude just knows how to hit. He's not going to draw a lot of walks, not going to strike out a whole lot, but he's got some power. Um, and, and I can't wait to see what he does. But there's another guy down there that, that uh, has recently been promoted to Triple S. recent. It's been a few weeks, but Justin Dearden. And uh, he, he's been good hitting 324 with a, an OPS over 900 through 16 games in Triple A. Uh, just what you wanted to see. You know, you, you want to see that guy that's dominating Double A go up to Triple A and continue to have success. And despite some strikeout issues he's had, he's had, I think, a game where he went 0 for 4, four strikeouts, still driving the ball, still driving in runs, hitting for average. Um, and, and just really kind of capping off that really good season that he's put together. Yeah, him and, and Jolks have been, you know, phenomenal in the outfield this season. Jolks kind of slowed down a little bit, but has the longest uh, home run in Sugarland history, and that's going to be my trivia in a few minutes here. But uh, both of those guys, you know, the outfield looks bright. There's depth there. It makes you kind of think, is Corey Jolks going to make the 40-man roster this offseason? We don't know yet, but um, guy who could be a depth, he played a lot of center field. Now he's playing second base. Uh, that's a new thing for him. It might just because Hensley is in the majors and there wasn't, there's not as much versatility, but on the other end, Edwin Diaz, a guy who I've been pushing for triple a recently, he was signed to be, uh, you know, to be that guy that's going to sit in the, in triple a, just in case if you really need him, he's not on the 40 man roster, but finally got the promotion from double a. Yeah. And he's, he's one of the a couple transactions that happened. Uh, Colin McKee, is back, and then we saw Andre Scrub and Josh James. We'll talk about it right now, but we saw them guys down in Fayetteville and have uh, some really good outings. Josh James had an outing where he threw ten pitches, struck out the side, so one one ball away from a immaculate inning. But uh, nice to see them guys have success. Yeah, it's Fayetteville. Yeah, it's only single A. Um, 
But, you know, to get anything from Josh James at this point, to get him healthy, uh, and maybe not even for this year, but just for moving forward, it would be nice to see. Most definitely. And uh, I think we can move it down to the hooks real quick. The hooks are 54 and 65 on the season, kind of inching close to 500, like the Space Cowboys have done over the last couple of weeks. But uh, Greg Kessinger off to a pretty good start in August. You know, I think the last couple, last three years, we can all agree that Kessinger really hasn't lived up to the bat tool. You, know, you can play a bunch of positions, even first base recently, right. but two nine average or two seven nine average, eight seven six OPS, five home runs in August. And then, you know, his infield mate, Shea Whitcomb, uh, two six eight batting average, eight seventy five OPS, five home runs, five stolen bases in August. Off to a really hot start in the first week, had almost a thousand OPS, and then his first six games. Yeah, and it's really good to see Whitcomb get off to a good start like that because he had a good year last year. I think he had twenty something home runs, stole over thirty bases, and. Um, he's been really up and down this year, but if he can finish strong, that, that would be nice moving forward. Quincy Hamilton, another guy that uh, that has a, had a recent promotion to double A. Off to a little bit of a slow start, did have a, a grand slam, I believe, for his first double A home run, uh, but he's on his third level of the season. He started single A, went to high, now he's in double A. An overall good season from him. And then a guy that we've talked about a little bit, Ross Adolph, the, the guy just draws freaking walks. You know, he's hitting 286, 886 OPS. I believe those numbers are in, uh, are those numbers in August, Kenny? Oh, those are just total in the season. Total numbers, but he's got – I think he's got somewhere in the range of like 36 – Oh, those are August, sorry. Yeah, those okay. are August. Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's got somewhere in the range of like 36 walks in 40 games this season. It's it's unreal, you know. And it, it, Once again, that's a guy that early in the season started off well, faced some injuries. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but got healthy, and he's back in the double-A the lineup, and uh, we'll see if the hooks can finish the season strong. And Brian Urias, who's kind of like bounced around in different positions, see my first base, third, maybe in the outfield, 843 OPS, nine walks, a 9K in August. Uh, that's a good ratio right there for him, the guy who's kind of gone off to a slow start this season. Yeah, the, the pitching staff has been has been up and down in Corpus, and they've, they've, uh, they haven't had the, the promotions come up as quickly as I, I think we thought was going to happen with some of the guys we'll talk about here in a second. But uh, Jaden Murray, a first guy I'll talk about, 13 strikeouts and 14 innings in August. Uh, I think that's the guy we picked up in the Chase McDermott trade or the uh, Trey Mancini trade, if you will. Um, and he's had, I think, three outings to this point. Two of them were good. One of them was a, a little rough. But um, the, the pitch, you know, uh, Jaime Melendez, another guy that was, was really starting to tear – I mean, turn it on. We saw him – you know, picking up 10 strikeouts in five innings, 12 and in six innings, and it's kind of slowed off. I know he hasn't pitched since August 7th, so I'm not sure if he's dealing with some kind of injury or if it's just maybe an innings limit kind of thing because he was 20, 20 years old. So to see him get get that amount of innings. But overall, the, the staff is uh, – it, it's, been, it's been a little bit rough. There's been a little bit better performances in relief. You know, a guy like Jonathan Sprinkle, Derek West have been a little bit better in relief. But overall, been a lo- uh, little rough. But who, who do you want to highlight on their staff, Kenny? Uh, I think, you know, Jose Bravo, 10K, two walks and 20.2 innings in August, uh, 305 ERA. But I, I like, you know, it's good to see those walks down and the strikeouts, you know, sort of up. It's not a high strikeout rate, but uh, Michael Rell, 231 ERA over 11 and two thirds innings, uh, 10 strikeouts and nine walks. Uh, you know, the ERA can be uh, kind of fluctuating there. But um, and then Julio Ravena uh, placed on the injured list, not having the best season. The lefty has a 684 ERA. A uh, guy who can, you know, throw the fastball hard, maybe mix in some some different pitches, but it it wasn't really clicking for him. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the guys I put on a stock down. I felt like when I did that, he had a couple good outings. And, um, yeah, overall this year, just the numbers weren't there. Had a good year last year. He's still pretty young. I think he's only 22 years old this year. So uh, still plenty of time for him. I know there there was a, a few promotions. Spencer Arigetti finally got the call up. Strikeout numbers were insane in, in Asheville. And uh, so far, I think he's, 
struck out trying to think of the, the box scores, but maybe seven or eight, seven or eight innings in Corpus, gave up a few runs. And then uh, Cesar Gomez also got that promotion. I think he's only pitched in one game maybe so far. But nice to see a couple guys finish out the season in double A, especially someone like Eric Getty, who's got a ton of upside. Definitely. And I want to highlight just Matt Rupenthal and Devin Kahn, two guys who've been up to AAA this season, got sent back down just because of roster crunches, but they've been looking good in relief, especially in August. Uh, transactions wise, Alex McKenna was on a suspension for a couple of games, got ejected. And then it seemed like he was out for almost five to six days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henderson, Barry Hill, Schreiber, all back from the injured list. That's Lane Henderson, Luke Barry Hill, and Scott Schreiber. Um, you know, back in the back in the lineup, and then Jordan Brewer out for the season with the hand in, after his hand surgery. Yeah, tough, tough for him. He started off the season well in Asheville and just never really got it going in Corpus. But uh, that's going to do it for segment two. In the next segment, we're going to take a look at the lower levels and we'll uh, we'll answer some trivia and some some good things we learned this week. We'll get that in just a little bit. And continuing on here on the podcast for the third segment, third and final segment, we're going to talk about the lower minors. But first. While we were on our little break, I just want to let you know, we found out that Yonder Diaz is getting the call. Obviously, you'll know this when you're listening to the podcast in the morning, but uh, pretty crazy, pretty cool to see him get the opportunity with the Astros that we just talked about. has had an incredible season with the bat, home runs, batting average, driving in runs. So I uh, can't wait to see what he's going to do with the Astros. Most definitely. I think it was kind of a shock. Uh, Corey Lee was off to a pretty good start this month, and we were just talking about how he could get called up in September and to see Yiner Diaz come up, played some left field two days ago, but he'll probably be a September 1st call up when the rosters expand. Yeah. And uh, man, just, I'm, I'm really excited for him. You know, it's, I mean, think about it last July, the Astros traded for a catcher in single a in a deal where they sent miles straw out. And, and now they're calling up a catcher who's got 25 home runs hitting over 300 uh, pretty crazy, but, We'll get to, to, to Asheville. Uh, they're sitting at 54 and 64. Man, they played some really good baseball recently. Like, their record overall, you know, maybe a couple months ago wasn't looking great, but it's been a lot better. Uh, some of it's had to do with some of the call-ups they've had. Miguel Palma, young catcher, 20-year-old, uh, has, has an OPS of over 1,000 in, in high A, 13 home runs overall, draws some walks, doesn't strike out, has some pop. Uh, really good to see that, especially at the, at the catcher position. And then another guy they've gotten recently, well – I shouldn't say recently. He's been with them for 50 games now, but Kennedy Corona, he's up to 298 uh, with an 892 OPS in about 50 games in high A. So, you know, that little a streak of maybe you get to high A and you're hot for a couple weeks and the numbers look good. But no, he's put together really about two months of really good baseball now in high A, uh, 22 years old. So uh, just a couple guys that have, have gone up there from high, uh, Fayetteville and really, you know, really, uh, really helped the Asheville get their offense going. Yeah, sticking in the outfield, we talked about Joey Liperfito earlier with your stock up, but he also left the game with a cramp the other day, and he, he messaged you, Jimmy, about it. It was kind of funny because I, I saw the yeah. injury thing, and I was like, oh, you know, something happened on the when he was running out the first base, but just a cramp. He's all good. Uh, Colin, Colin Barber back uh, off the injured list, uh, did a little rehab in West Palm Beach. He actually got ejected the other day for arguing balls and strikes. Kind of funny, very, very borderline pitch, but you can understand the aggression there. But 305 on this season, and also in the outfield, uh, Daniels is up to 19 home runs. A guy who's was off to a really slow start after being drafted in 2020 is starting yep. to pick up the the power recently. Yeah, and he's a guy who's got you know uh, tools that are very very you know intriguing. I mean, very good power, good speed, and and yeah, he's putting it together. 19 home runs, and if you go look at the home runs, they're all over the field. He's driving the ball to right field too, so really good to see. J.C. Correa it feels like um, you know he's just kind of 
almost like the forgotten man in Nashville, but he's still hitting 303, the exact same number of walks to strikeouts, 33 walks, 33 strikeouts. He's doing it with the bat. Now it's all about, you know, doing it with the glove, especially at, at the catching position. I know he's played a little bit of infield more recently as well. But, um, yeah, overall the offense has been great. We know it's a great place to hit. But even on the road, the offense is doing well. Uh, the pitching staff, Aaron Brown, a guy that was drafted last year, struggled a little bit early, but he's got a 3.55 ERA since the beginning of July. And, you know, July, about August, I mean, the last two months, 3.55 ERA pitching, and it, where they pitch is pretty good, leads the team in innings. Um, so overall, the staff has had, a, you know, they McDermott got traded, Eric Getty got called up. So some of the higher uh, name arms on their staff has, uh, have left, but um, you know, they've been playing some good baseball. They got some really good pitch performances uh, this past week as well. Yeah, Enzo Batista went up to high A this week, and he had uh, five strikeouts in five innings with five walks, no runs, no hits. Very, uh, you know, wishy-washy performance, yeah. depending on how you interpret it, like almost a 50% strike rate. Uh, you'd like to see some improvements there, but overall, just you could go either way on that performance. Yeah, and, and for sure. And he's not a guy that walked a ton in, in Fayetteville. I mean, the walks were up a little bit, so I don't know if something was going on. I don't know if it was a, the umpire or the nerves for him, but yeah. No hits in five innings. It's nice to see. He actually was the, the pitcher of the week for me for that uh, for that performance in his high A debut. We'll go to the Woodpeckers, forty nine and seventy. Man, it, it's been rough. I was updating their their uh, record here, and I think over the last twenty games they're like four and sixteen or something. It's been a little rough, but they've had a lot of roster uh, roster turnover too. Really, they've gotten a, a ton of guys from the twenty twenty one draft. One guy recently that uh, that's getting an opportunity with them. We didn't expect to see Ryan Clifford. You know, the, the guy they took out of a high school in the eleventh round, the Vanderbilt commit. Uh, five walks in three games. I know he had like 12 walks in 12 games in uh, in rookie league as well. So I think we're kind of seeing a trend with him. He likes to draw walks. The guy can freaking hit. I'm just really excited to see what he's going to do, uh, you know, moving forward and probably next year starting out in favor. Yeah, played some first base, uh, or, you know, his first 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 start at first base in professional baseball, 19-year-old, just looking good. Uh, you know, he can play the outfield well. And Jim Callis, MLB Pipeline, when they when the Astros drafted him, said his size can move him to first base if they really need it instead of just sticking him in right field. Uh, Colin Price uh, fractured his foot, fractured a bone in his foot, uh, actually broke a fo- bone in his foot uh, on Saturday. He'll be out for the remainder of the season, probably going to the injured list soon. But overall, 290 average um, in uh, with two home runs, but uh, just kind of a sad way to end the season. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's only a couple more weeks left, but you know that was a guy that I think a lot of us were excited to see a big catcher with some uh, some some big time pop, and we got to see it. You know, I think he had an OPS of almost 900, is a little bit of time in Fayetteville. Uh, a guy that um, a lot of people were excited about. You know, he, I think he lasted until the maybe it was the 12th round uh, if I'd have to look. But Zach Dezenzo in 17 games for Fayetteville, four homers, 11 RBIs. The strikeout numbers are there. That's what everyone said. You know, he's got some swing and miss to his game. Uh, but he's got some pop, and we're already seeing that in the early stages of his career. Yeah, definitely a big shortstop, and he keeps hitting out the cleanup spot. And I actually want to highlight Tommy Sacco, who had his first home run the other day. It was a walk-off for uh, single A, and all the other guys were so excited. Robleski, Price, everyone was posting all the – you know, these guys were drafted together, so that, you know, they're excited about it. Uh, Jacob Melton hitting two ninety two with an eight forty three OPS in single A. And, not, you know, second-round pick, you know, kind of picking it up, uh, playing some more center field with uh, – you know, just with, you know, with the, with it being available. Yeah. And uh, another guy now, you know, Drew Gilbert is out. I think I put a note on here. Um, I don't remember if that was before or after before our last episode, but he's out for the season. Uh, but it sounds like something that overall is not going to be a huge concern. Uh, it may be just more precautionary, but we got to see what he could do a little bit in the rookie league and a little bit in Fayetteville. Uh, he didn't strike out in any of his appearances and Fayetteville had the home run. 
you know, and, and, and he got hurt running into a wall. I and mean, that's the kind of guy he plays with, plays with a ton of injury, ton of, a ton of fire. Um, I don't know if you remember when, like, when Springer came up, you know, everyone was like, man, if we got to put him in center field because he keeps running to the right field wall. Maybe Gilbert's going to be that type of guy that's going to do whatever it takes to win. And uh, you'll, you'll take that guy on your team. But, yeah, sucks that he's losing the last couple weeks of the season. But overall, we'll, we'll see him next year. And I, I think he'll, you know, he might start out in high A, be, be in double A before the end of the season. Most definitely. And another guy I just want to, you know, hit on real quick is Whitaker, 84 OPS in August. Um, really piecing it together. And it, it was really cool to see Gilbert Whitaker melting all in the same outfield. The I know. Astros top <laughs> three picks from the last two years. Yeah, now that was something that me and you were, were kind of joking about, like an outfield of Ryan Clifford and uh, Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, you know, would have been really nice. Tyler Whitaker at DH. But yeah, good to see him turn it around. Uh, strikeout numbers in, in comparison to what they were this season have improved a ton. The power, he's drawn a little bit more walks than he has. So hopefully it's a good sign moving forward. On the pitching staff, though, they, they've suffered a little bit of the promotions. You know, Batista going up, uh, but they've gotten a couple of new guys as well. One I'll mention, though, before we get to the, the, the newer uh, guys that they've added from the, the 2022 draft, Miguel Ulola. That's a guy we talked about a little bit on here. 109 strikeouts in 64.2 innings. But his last outing, he went three innings. He had one hit, one run, walked four, struck out nine. So all nine outs came via the strikeout. Uh, the guy's electric. You know, he strikes a lot of guys out, but it's going to be getting that command uh, command tight, but he's got plenty of time to do it. He's only 20 years old. Uh, yeah, we also saw Alex Santos go to the development list, top Astros pick from 2020. Uh, it, that's hard to see for a guy like him, but, you yeah. know, the development list isn't the last step. You know, he's only 20, 21 years old. Uh, he, he'll, he'll be back next season, maybe at the end of the, uh, September. Yeah, and then uh, Valente Beozo is a, a guy we, we mentioned last time. You know, he was great in 2019, struggled with some injuries. Obviously, the COVID season happened, but he's got a 2270 ERA in 31 innings. Uh, so nice to see him kind of regain that form that he had a few years ago. But overall, it's just been a little been a tough stretch for the Woodpeckers. But Kenny, I, I actually I'm really excited about our trivia and the best thing you learned this week. So I'm gonna let you go first. Best thing you learned this week. What do you got? Best thing I learned this week, stop tweeting that Hunter Brown isn't pitching. Uh, <laughs> no longer the starter. I did that on Tuesday the other day, and it was just because the Sugarland Space Cowboys messed up and meant to put meant to put him over Brandon Bielak. And then he ended up just pitching out of relief uh, on Sunday, and now he's in the majors, or he's getting called up probably on September 1st with the call-ups. Uh, just stop tweeting about him, and now I don't have to anymore. <laughs> well, I, and one thing, uh, the, the thing I learned this week was pretty cool, and it's actually even better today. Today is Hunter Brown's birthday. He also shares – a birthday with Astros uh, great pitcher Roy Oswalt. So happy birthday to both of those guys. But even cooler that Hunter Brown's getting uh, the news that he's, you know, the, the report that he's going to get called up in roster expand on September 1st, which is only a couple days away. Uh, but yeah, pretty cool that they share a birthday. And I'll tell you, if, if Hunter Brown has a career like Roy Oswalt, I will, I will gladly take that. Most definitely. And you're, you're missing out on one other guy's birthday today, and that's Seth Martinez. Okay, Seth Martinez. All right. Yeah, don't, don't forget about Seth. Uh, yeah. So my trivia is Corey Jolks hit the farthest home run in Sugarland history today, or on Tuesday. How far was the home run? Oh. So when I saw you put that in there, I didn't decide to look. So I, I was gonna, I'm just going to take a guess at it. But I'm going to say like, let's, I'm going to say 478. It was 486. Yeah, dude, that's crushed. Yeah. That's, and that's, Lewis that, Brinson yeah. actually had like 482, and then an inning later, Corey Jolks broke it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that, no, that's I mean, damn near 500 feet. All right, the the the, the trivia I got for you, it's kind of going off the Hunter Brown Roy Oswald thing. So Roy Oswald in 2001, his rookie season, he finished second in the rookie of the year voting. Do you know who finished first? And what year was this? 2006. 2001. 2001. See, and I know, I know you're younger, so, you know, I don't even know if you were born in 2001. No, I'm kidding, but, so it would have been a uh, National League pitcher. Yeah. Uh, that is, no, well, it, it was, it was yeah. the rookie of the year, so it doesn't have to be a pitcher. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was a hitter. It was a hitter. I'll give you that. Was it Miggy? Nope. Oh. I'll tell. You, I'll give you another clue. It's two thousand one. We are now in two thousand twenty-two. Oh, still playing. Ichiro. Yep. Oh no, not he Ichiro. Was, he was. Yep. He was the AL Rookie of the Year. AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Yep. So go in. Go in. Albert. Albert Pools. Yep. 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 So I was looking at that, and one other thing I found interesting on that is that year five only. You know, now you'll see like there'll be like. 20 pitchers that'll receive a Cy Young vote or maybe 10 or 15 or that year, only five received a Cy Young vote. Randy Johnson won the Cy Young. Uh, his, uh, his, his duo, Kurt Schilling finished number two, kind of like that Verlander Cole thing. We had a 19 Matt Morris, John Lieber, the next two. And the number five is Roy Oswald as a rookie. He received a Cy Young vote, which I thought was pretty cool. Only five guys on that list, but that's my trivia, man. Uh, Roy Oswald was awesome. Uh, kind of cool that he's actually the trivia today on his birthday with Hunter Brown, get the news. He's, should be getting called up center first and Yiner Diaz coming up. Uh, man, that, that threw me for a loop, like right in the middle of the episode. Oh, most definitely. And uh, just this whole show, just like we hit the Jake Meyer, Jake Myers news right before. And then we got two call-ups yeah. of the Astros futures game, uh, you know, battery mate. So overall, just a crazy day. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.